So we're going to continue in our journey through Acts. Um, It's quite a long reading that we've got. So, uh, Chris, I don't want you settling down for a good sleep, all right? Because there will be questions afterwards. But the good news is, is I'm not going to read it, so you don't get my voice all the way through. So I've... um, Another thing is, you know, never sit at the back because you get earmarked. Um, So I've very kindly asked, sorry, they've kindly volunteered to to read for me. So Phil and Hannah are going to just give us the word together. So we're in Acts 22, verse 30. The next day, since the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews... He released him and ordered the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I've fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near to Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you. You whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law. Yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, You dare to insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law, who who were Pharisees, stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with them. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, "What what is it you want to tell me? He said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them, because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. 
They're ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man and cautioned him, don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, get ready a a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide mounts for Paul so that he may, may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency Governor Felix, Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I had learnt that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to the Sanhedrin. I found that the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of the plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day they let the cavalry go on with him while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea... They delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked that what province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. (laughs) Now you know why I didn't read it. (laughs) <clears throat> oh, sorry. <clears throat> so, so let's have a look. So what, what we've established here, what we, what we can focus on here, is that there are three uh, key points in this passage. Although it's a long one, we're just going to focus on three. You'll be relieved to know. I'm not going to th- go through every single individual verse. Um, so part one is Paul was unfairly treated. Um, but he stood faith in his destiny. And Paul there is before the Jewish council in Jerusalem, uh, where he was to answer their charge against him. However, the whole thing descends into a complete riot because he declares that he is, um, uh, it, it says here, a parasite. It's not a parasite. Pharisee. Not a parasite. Should I put my glasses on? This is the question. It could be more entertaining if I kept them off. <laughs> Sorry. He affirms that he was a Pharisaic credentials. Okay? And that divides the audience. So here we have this argument now. Um, and it's just pandemonium. It's a bit like me saying, I support Man U. Do oh, see? What a response. What a response. How about I prefer rugby union to league? It's not bad. (laughs) So that's not quite the same level, but that's where we were at. And this results in him being hurried back to the Roman barracks where at night Jesus stands before him. Can you imagine that? He's just caused complete chaos. 
He goes back to his room and Jesus presents himself to him and tells him that he's going to testify in Rome. Now that, for me, that would actually calm me down. That would give me quite a bit of peace. Although, you know, it it would initially sort of... um, shock me, surprise me, and, and, you know, there's Jesus standing and actually talking to me. But if it is telling me I'm going to be going and doing this delivery in Rome, then that means I cope with what's going on here, and I'm still alive to be able to go to Rome. So that's good, and that would give him um, some kind of solace. Part two is the bravery of Paul's nephew. Now, I love this. I love the fact that God uses this young lad. Should he have been there? We don't know. Should he have overheard? Clearly, yes, because that's where God placed him. So some Jews then plot to kill Paul and set up an elaborate trap to do so between the um, barracks and the council rooms. And his nephew hears about the plot. And on Paul's instructions, he then goes and tells the commander. And then we have part three, which is the provision and sanctuary um, in God. And part three, um, oh, here we go, look, I've done them individually. That's because I've done a course. (laughs) There you go. Don't know where my third one's gone. So part three, the commander then sends Paul with two legions of soldiers and 70 cavalrymen. Uh, so therefore, he's not taking any chances. This is just one man that's, that's supporting and, and helping get this person safely to where he wants him to be. So you've got um, two legions and four, uh, 40 cavalrymen going down and protecting Paul to get down um, to Jerusalem, in, sorry, into, um, out of Jerusalem and into the direction of Caesarea. And they deliver him to the governor Felix to await a further trial once the Jewish authorities have made their way to Caesarea from Jerusalem. So that sort of gives us an, an overview um, of the reading. So... There we go. So let's just have a look at um, some points then, some key points. Paul was unfairly treated. So Paul was being tried over differences concerning the Jewish law, which made no sense to the Romans. However, it incensed uh, where the Jewish, Jews were concerned, Paul's proclamation of the Messiah to the Gentiles, that they wanted nothing more to, than to get him away, get him out the way permanently, get rid, don't want him around, he's causing trouble. And sometimes, sorry, just leave that one or not. Then we've got, so sometimes people will oppose us unjustly. What must we do? We must not become resentful of that person. And it's so easy just to say, right, okay, you, there's something going on. And I tell you what, I'm just going to not talk to you, not look at you and become resentful against that person. 
But we must forgive and bless those that persecute us. That's what the scripture says. That we must not seek vengeance. And that we can use all means available to defend ourselves. And, and the thing is, we may not necessarily ever see that that vindication has come through from God. We may never see that. We just have to trust that God is in control and that will come about because that is, again, scripture. Okay, so key point two, and this is my favorite bit. So here we have the brave nephew. And sometimes people will judge us um, because they think that it's not important what we do. And Paul's nephew was a young person, but he saved Paul's life. And if this young man hadn't spoken up, then Paul would have been killed. Now just think about what impact that has in what we know and understand of what happened with Paul after. So Paul would, um, would not have gone on to write the books of the New Testament that we have and cherish and learn so, so significantly from. So who knows where God will place you to speak out for him and take hold of every opportunity? So here we have, we must never see ourselves as unsuitable. Do we see ourselves as unsuitable? Are we too young? Are we too mature? Are we too young in the faith? Are we the the wrong gender? No, because God has called us by name and he has plans for us. We should never disregard others. So we feel good about ourselves. We know where God wants us to be. We know what God has for us. But also when people come to us, and they may only be very young, they may be quite old, they may be that immature person. But God is speaking through that person if they have a word for you, regardless of what that person looks like or whatever, or the experience they've had. God will speak through anyone. So don't disregard others. We can't do that. So seek out opportunities and be brave. That's a toughie. Okay, so who, when they came back from one, went straight to the first person who said, did you have a good time away? said, I got so blessed by God, it was amazing, that I actually fell on my knees and sobbed in prayer because... I met with God. Or did you say, it was absolutely brilliant. You know, there's nothing like camping with 8,000 other Christians, which is what I said. So they get the sort of flavor. (laughs) And I I don't hide the fact that it's Christian. And then if they want to, they can then ask me questions about it. But I've given them that opportunity of doing it without giving them chapter and verse. At work, again, I'll just give another work example. For, for those that don't know, I'm a kiddie catcher. I catch kids that don't go to school. Twag lady. There you go. So it's not an easy job. 
And majority of the time, I get shouted at down the phone because we fine people for, for going on holiday during term time. And on Friday, there was no exception. Um, the last caller putting the phone down on me because they were so angry with the situation and called me money-grabbing. So it's not an easy job. Anyway, I came, I was at the printer once, and I came into the office. And of course, all this stuff, which is happening with my boss, was all there. So I wasn't particularly in a good place, and I certainly wasn't um, in a place of sharing my witness, because I've been told to take all my artifacts off my desk, including anything to do with God. Um, so I wasn't in a particularly good place. And when I came back from the printer, there was about five people in the office saying, Carolyn, you'll know the answer to this. And I, yeah, go on then. I'm waiting for a penalty notice question or a, or a school absence question. I might know the answers to those. Um, but they said, so God, I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So he said, right. So She's going off to a spiritualist to go and, um, and uh, talk to her dad, who passed away four or five years ago. Um, what do you think? <sighs> mm. So what do I say? Oh, my goodness. What do I say? Lord, help me right now. So this person is desperate, desperate to talk to her dad. And you can see it on her face. She is just in such a bad place. She desperately wants to hear um, a word of encouragement from her father. And um, she uh, went and, has, and came back and said, and I said to her, did you, uh, you know, did you, did you, how did you feel about Um, your experience and she said well it was a mixed bag really Um, it was this and it was that and I said oh how do you feel about that last bit because the first bit was really good but the second bit's a bit a bit not that's a bit negative really isn't it so she says well that's the bit that's been troubling me all the time I've heard from my dad and yes that's great but actually this last bit has actually overridden my experience and I say you know That's not where we are when you're a Christian. God doesn't give bad things to us, and that's the difference. And this is what I was saying to the office. You know, it's only black and white. There's no gray. I believe there is only black and white. And God is white. He is light. He says he is light. And he overcomes the darkness. Now, I can only offer what you believe might be the darkness. And that's what I was saying to the office. And this person came away saying, do you know you were right? Because I did see the light, but then the darkness fell over me when they then gave me this last comment because it was personal to her and it was something that was going to happen to her. And I said, you know, don't accept it. If you don't believe it... Just don't accept it. Don't accept that that will happen in your life. You can keep trying and you can keep um, praying for those people that you are with. So make good use of every opportunity where you can. And the third point is the provision and sanctuary. Sometimes you do feel on your own. In my experience of work, again, like I say, and I know there's a few people here, we feel on our own. Often in our walk in life, we feel on our own. So 
God knows and he has you in his hands. And that's important to remember. He wants the very best for you. He will provide all your needs. Okay, it's the needs bit. It's like I always keep telling Rich, you know, he wants this newfangled Audi car that he saw only yesterday. And I say, but you need it, dear. God has supplied all your needs, not necessarily your wants. We've got a car. That's what you've got. Your needs. I should have done the needs in the capital letters, shouldn't I? (laughs) But he does provide. He does. And I can give so many um, examples of, of that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay. So the, um, the, just the illustration I want to give about the, um, uh, the providing is I know some people know about our journey here from Harlow in Essex. Our bestest friend in the whole world for Rich uh, said, I've got a word for you and you're going to leave in 40 days. The word, no, the word is Noah. That's it. The word is Noah. Um, and I don't know what it means. And then about a week later, he says, I get it now. You're going to move in 40 days. So because I didn't necessarily want to move, because my children were 6, 8, 10, and 12, so that's very hard for kids to move in that time. They've all got established relationships and family and everything else. We're all down there. So I got the calendar on 40 days. (laughs) Circled 40 days. says, right, so if we don't move... By 40 days, not going. It's not from God. (laughs) So, cut a long story short, 39th day, we are at home farm on the Humber Bridge, just under the Humber Bridge, staying over with all our goods in the lorries to move in on day 40. That is no lie. And as we're coming over the Humber Bridge, we've got the two cars and I'd got the boys, you'd got the girls. We were driving over, and just as we were approaching the Humber Bridge, massive rainbow over the Humber Bridge. And we, that's why we've called our house the Ark, because we do believe it's a place of rest. It's a place of refuge for people. And it certainly is a place where we know we have been called. Step out in faith. So, application here. Learn to hear God's voice through his words and through others. Don't disregard others because they're too young, too old. They haven't been in the faith long enough and you know better. Don't, you know, listen to everybody. God speaks through all. We are who we are. God will use you if you allow him. And just Be able to hear his voice. And regardless of what others do, even plotting against us, the Lord will always be with us. He doesn't take things away. He just carries us through those things so we can become stronger in who we are and we can help others that go through the same. Amen. Father, we just pray that you will take the words that we've heard today and make them count in our lives, Father.
that we may walk with you, that we may hear your voice, and that we may do your will. Lord, give us opportunities and give us the boldness to speak for you. And help us as we go through the week, Lord, that um, we will hear your heart and hear your voice in all that we do. Amen.